Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are starting the third chapter in 2 Thessalonians. And again, I have to admit to you, I love First and Second Thessalonians. It is so encouraging, so informative. It talks about these great themes of faith, love, and hope. And it talks about how God has this will for us to be sanctified. And I just love it. And it talks about the, the, what our hope is, and it really expands on what hope is. And I think that's what the Thessalonian church might have been confused of about well, where to put their hope. Did Jesus already come? Did he already take his saints back up to heaven with him? Did they already miss out? And the answer is, of course, no. But it's how to put your hope, what you put your hope in while you're waiting on the Lord's return. Everything is focused on the Lord's return. Everything is focused on becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus. That's where the focus of First and Second Thessalonians uh, is at. And First Thessalonians tried to answer a lot of these questions, and it looks like Second Thessalonians was written to fill in some of the knowledge gaps that maybe First Thessalonians uh, needed to do. Um, Paul was only with these people less than a month. And so you, you get a picture of faith in action, uh, the faith of people trying to grasp the gospel message and what it is, and Paul trying to supply um, what these folks needed to help them grow in Christ. This is just, this, these, both these books are just active books of growing Christians. So so here we go. We we start off uh, in 2 Thessalonians talking about always praying, always giving thanks. Okay? And so then we uh, circle back in 2 Thessalonians uh, as it concludes. It's always praying again. Third, third, third chapter in 2 Thessalonians, always praying. Here we go again. Verse 1, finally, brothers, Pray for us. So he's he's um, he was praying for them, but now he's saying to pray for us. So he's the first chapter, second chapter. He's always praying for them. Third chapter, finally, he's asking them to pray for him. And as McGee says, every minister that's working with people, needs someone to pray for them. The gospel message of Christ is what this is all about. Paul's been praying for them in chapter 1 and 2 that they would grow in their faith in hearing the gospel message. It's all about the gospel message of Christ. He's not praying for things for himself. He's not praying for certain things for them. He's not praying for... Uh, their troubles to go away. He's praying for them to grow in the Word of God. He's praying for them to grow in the gospel message of Christ. All his prayers are centered around the gospel. He is, by all accounts, the superstar of the ministry. I mean, Jesus appeared to him. Jesus converted him. He is like the rock star going around to the Gentiles. But for Paul, Paul can't do anything without prayer. 
Paul can't, uh, Paul didn't even know which way to go without prayer. He was led into this region uh, through prayer. The Lord was telling him everything to do, and Paul was utterly and completely dependent on the Lord. And Paul didn't want any of his own um, um, status to get in the way. He would he would say, like back in Ephesians, he would say, if any, if anyone um, could boast, I could, but there's there's nothing. I consider myself garbage compared to just knowing Christ. So Paul is focused totally on prayer and totally on the gospel. And so then he flips the whole thing to say, pray for me. And he's praying for me. So he said, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. So he's saying, pray for me in relationship to the gospel message. He's praying for them that they may be established in the gospel message. And then he says, pray for me with regards to the gospel so that the gospel may speed ahead. He takes the charge. What is his job to spread the good news, to spread the gospel message? Paul is the alert ambassador of Christ that we were referencing in Ephesians chapter 6. But he wants to pray uh, for the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. So in other words, that was the gospel message that they heard, okay? That they heard uh, and that, so in other words, that's Paul's prayer for himself. He's not praying for anything else. Now remember, Paul just got chased out of town. He's not praying for himself, his safety. He's praying for the gospel message. And one of the things that um, I wanted to circle back on today was this this um, just acknowledgement again, as we've done so earlier, that the Word of God is what produces faith. And we've been talking about faith, love, and hope as these big, um, these big uh, pillars of 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 uh, focus from First Thessalonians. Faith, love, and hope. That's how he begins it. And I think First and Second Thessalonians is just an expansion on faith, love, and hope. And we talked about the work of faith, the labor of love, and the steadfast hope. And this working of faith. Um, is what happens inside us. Faith, this work of faith. We don't have our own faith. Faith, as Romans, as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. Okay? We're just sinner, wicked people. We don't have faith in God apart from the Word of God. We don't just have faith in God. It's hearing the Word of God causes us to have faith. It causes something to happen inside us. It causes us to repent. It causes us to turn. It causes us to change and be changed from the Word of God. And it causes us to then go from an inward uh, expression to outward as we serve for every good work, for every good deed, deed. It is, an, in a sense, a labor of love. And then the third big pillar was hope. And that is this, he calls it the steadfast hope that we have. And of course, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Faith comes from the Word, and of course the Word was Jesus Christ. Love comes from the Father in heaven. That's the love of God, and the love of God gave us Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is a manifestation of the love of God. He's a manifestation of God Himself. And hope is in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's return. So we have this, these big pillars here, and this sanctification that, it talk, that, that Paul was talking about in 1 Thessalonians, comes from the Holy Spirit working in us to sanctify us. 
so that we could be made um, worthy of receiving the Lord Jesus when he comes back. So everything is in relationship to the Lord Jesus. So now let's put that in a little bit more context. As Paul then, he's coming back to the third and final chapter of Second Thessalonians. So he's kind of circling back now, and he's bringing it all into clear focus because this starts dealing again with faith, love, and hope. He's gone all this way to explain faith, love, and hope. Now he's sort of saying, finally, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For all, for not all have faith. Now this is not... the. That all people can have faith. They can put their faith in money, power, prestige. But he's talking about faith in the word here. Faith. This reliance, this trustworthiness, this steadfastness, this faith. And my Bible translation was this faith is absolute trust. Absolute trust in God. Reliance on God. Then in verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. So men might not have faith, but the Lord is faithful. Now the Lord meaning Jesus Christ. This is capital L, little o-r-d. The Lord Jesus is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So, not everybody has faith. So, we're talking about faith. Pray for us that the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, that's the gospel message. And as we said again in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith, this faith that not everyone has, comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So, he's telling them that the, that the word of the Lord that happened among you, among these Thessalonians, um, was from hearing the word of the Lord. So as the word of the Lord starts and then creates faith in us, that's where they got their faith from, he's telling them, and that's where we get our faith from. And then, just to contrast, the faith that comes from the word of the Lord, because the Lord Himself is faithful because He is the Word of the Lord. So when we play, so when we hear the Word of the Lord, we are hearing the Lord Jesus. When we hear the Word of the Lord, and that causes us to have some change in ourselves, it causes us to have some reflection. It causes us to say, "Oh, that is such good news to me," and you trust. Not all people have this trust, but the Lord is faithful. In other words, the Lord is trustworthy. The Word of God, the gospel message, is something you can trust in. It's something you can rely on. It is a promise to you. And because the Word of the Lord is from the Lord, the Lord is trustworthy the lord is faith itself and the lord jesus being faithful and being faith itself the source of faith because he is the word of god he will establish you and guard you so you want to keep your faith up you've got to keep your mind on the word of god you've got to keep your mind on the bible that's what we're doing with these with our bible study it keeps us in the word of god and the more we look at the Word of God, we see Jesus Christ. The more we look at the Word of God, the more He can establish us in our faith. The more we look at the Word of God, the more we trust Him. Because the Word of God is faithfulness. The more we look at the Word of God, the Word of God is producing this work of faith in us that He talks about Back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, this is this word of God. And remember, the word of God, as he said in 1 Thess chapter 1, 
The Word of God comes with power, the Holy Spirit, and the conviction of truth. This conviction. So we get from the power of God, we get the Holy Spirit associated with it, and this truth, this conviction. It's not just writing on a piece of paper. The Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what we see in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 1.18. The Word of God is the power of God. And as uh, Paul said in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, we need to receive the Word of God as the Word of God. That's how we should receive it. And as Isaiah tells us back in chapter 55, verse 11, the Word of God never returns a void. In other words, the Word of God, when, you, when, you, when the Word of God approaches you, when, 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 the word of, when you hear the Word of God, when you see the Word of God, it doesn't just do nothing because it's associated already with the power of God, with the Holy Spirit of God, and with His conviction of, of truth. It never returns a void. In other words, you say, well, you know, it's boring to me. I just read the Bible and it's boring to me. The Word of God never returns void. It does the purpose for which it was spoken. God Himself spoke these words, and He spoke these words to affect every one of us the way He wants it to affect every one of us. And there may be people who hear the Word of God and reject the Word of God. And Paul is saying, not all men have faith. Not all men have trust in this Word. And as Paul's saying, he's hoping that he could be delivered from the wicked and evil men. He says, but not all men have faith. Not all men who hear the word of God are going to accept the word of God. Paul just got chased out of town by people who heard the word of God. Now, that doesn't mean the word of God delivered a void in those people. The Word of God never returns a void. The people who rejected the Word of God and chased Paul out of Thessalonica were being affected by the Word of God by God's purpose and will because the Word of God can never return a void. They were doing and responding to the Word of God in, according to God's purpose and plan. You say, well, maybe that's not fair, you know. God, Word of God should be able to change everybody. Well, that's not God's will. God has created some people that He knows are going to reject the Word of God, and then He's going to have some people um, that are going to respond favorably to the Word of God. And as we saw Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 13, he said, But we always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel. That's the word of God. He's calling you through the gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord... The Lord is calling you. God love you. God chose you to be saved. Not everyone has faith when they hear the Word of God. But the Word of God never returns a void. It never produces empty results. It produces just the exact results that God the Father in heaven wants it to. And when we hear that Word of God, God is calling us. Now, it's interesting, within the context of Thessalonians, this word calling, Paul is using as when they hear the Word of God, you're, you're being called to, to, to God. You're being called to be saved through sanctification. And as he said 
That's the way it happened to you. In, in, in chapter 3, verse 2, it happened to you. You heard the word of God because I was there and I spoke it. You know, that's what Paul's telling them. So in that context, the word of God being called, that's when people hear the gospel message. It's a, it's a calling to the gospel message. But earlier in Thessal, uh, Thessalonians, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, uh, chapter 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're talking about when Jesus returns and with the word of his mouth, a calling out of his mouth, he raises the dead. So the word of God, the word of, with just the word of Jesus Christ, the dead rise. And so this word of, from God, this calling is calling to the gospel message, but also a calling of being raised from the dead when he calls us. So it's being called to the gospel message is sort of mirroring. It's sort of um, uh, um, sort of a physical example of how we are going to be called as we rise from the dead to share in new eternal life. It's the same calling. It's being called to the gospel. Isn't that just beautiful? Back in chapter 3, verse 3, 2 Thessalonians, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So you don't have anything to fear. Why? Because the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you. He will establish you when you hear the word of God. He will establish your faith. Your faith. He is faithful, but he will establish your faithfulness. He will establish your faith. This whole starting in chapter 3 is talking about how the word of God is dispensed and dispersed and taken in and establishing one's faith. He's talking about the whole thing about this process of what the Word of God does. The Lord Jesus, through His Word, will establish you in His Word in you. He will establish His presence in you. He will establish faith in you. Through His Word, not your emotions. Faith is not an emotion. You don't wake up one day and go, Oh, the sky is beautiful. Oh, that's a beautiful sunset. I feel so much in tune with God. You can't depend on the sunsets for your faith. Or a beautiful rain or a snowfall. And boy, I love those. I love to see a beautiful snowfall. I love a beautiful rain day. It comforts me, but it doesn't establish my faith. The Word of God establishes my faith. And guard you. The Word of God not only establishes your faith, but the Word of God guards you. And if you keep your nose in the Bible, if you can keep your nose reading in the Word of God, that's arguably the single most important thing you can do. Reading, studying the Word of God, growing in the Word of God, Letting the Word of God grow in you and prayer. Because he's saying pray. Pray for us. He's praying for them. He starts off every, almost every chapter or ends every chapter with prayer. And he's doing it here again. He's praying and he's praying about the Word of God. So this Word of God will establish you. It will guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. He's telling you this is like a commandment to stay in the Word of God, to be established, to be guarded in the Word of God. You've got to stay in the Word of God. It's like a commandment. It's an instruction. Paul doesn't beat around the bush. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God. May the Lord direct your hearts 
And again, we have said time and time, we have to have Christ-centered hearts. God doesn't want uh, you to just follow the law and sacrifice animals like in the Old Testament. God wants your hearts. What is the fulfillment of the law? It's love. The love of God. The gospel message of Jesus Christ starts with the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should have eternal life. The love of God is Jesus Christ on earth. The manifestation of the love of God, that's the gospel message. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God. So the Lord directing your hearts, that's the gospel message again, directs us to God's love and to the steadfastness of Christ. So we've talked about faith. We've talked about the love, love of God. That's Those are the first two big things that we saw in 1 Thessalonians. And then this third thing was hope, and he called it a steadfast hope. And that steadfast hope was in Christ. And then all of 1 Thessalonians after that and 2 Thessalonians after that has been talking about the hope of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus Christ, being more and more like Jesus Christ, being worthy of Jesus Christ, being worthy of this calling that we have. So Paul ends, is ending his letter like he started the first Thessalonian letter, with faith, love, and hope. We talk about faith coming from the Word of God. We talk about love coming from the love of God. That's what the gospel message directs us to, is the love of God. And back in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, the whole chapter 3 is this encouragement with all of these attributes of how Paul loves the Thessalonians and all of these all of these tendencies is like putting love in action. It's talking about love. So this hope in Christ that we have, this steadfast hope in Christ is to be more Christ-like, and being more Christ-like, Paul was showing them all the manifestations of love. And Paul concludes 1 Thessalonians in what McGee calls the 22 commandments of all these things that they need to do to be more Christ-like. And these are manifestations of love. What it, what it does, how it looks. He's like painting the picture of what a, a Christian should do to be more and more Christ-like. And he, he almost calls it like a commandment to them. This is what you need to do in no uncertain terms. That's why McGee calls it the 22 commandments. So we talk about faith. We talk about this love that always starts with God and directs us to the, through the Lord Jesus, the gospel message, it always brings us back to God's love. And that love inside us, as we strive to become more and more like Jesus Christ, that produces that labor of love in our life. Everything we think and say and do then becomes this labor of love like Paul's telling them, like Paul's trying to say, this is how you need to live. And let everything you do be like Jesus as you serve others, as Jesus came to serve you in total humility. And then he concludes this little section, the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And he substitutes steadfast hope. He had steadfast hope in chapter in, in 1 Thessalonians. Now he put faith, love, and hope, and he calls it, instead of steadfastness, hope, steadfast hope, he says steadfastness of Christ. So he has expanded in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians this meaning of hope. 
probably to a people whose hope was all over the place because they thought the Lord had already left them and they didn't have the Lord anymore and they didn't have any hope. And so now he's telling them this steadfastness or eternal hope, it's all Christ. Yes, they still have hope. So faith, love, hope expanded for them. Awesome, awesome two, um, two letters here. And now, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness, idleness not in accord with the tradition that you've received from us. Verse 7, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. So he's now shifting to kind of rubber meets the road and he's telling them, don't be lazy. Don't just sit around and do nothing. He's calling them to be active. He's calling them to be productive. He's calling them to be uh, active in their faith as they grow in their faith to actually serve one another and not just sort of be people who might just kind of mooch off other Christians. You know, oh, let's love one another. I'm just going to sit here and, you know, let's all be brothers. You know, he's not telling them that. He's really, this is more of a practical side of Paul. There's probably people who were Christians and thought, oh, okay, well, there's some rich people in the church. I I don't have to work because now the rich people are supposed to love me and they can just give me food, you know. And Paul's, you know, Paul's telling that. Believing in Christ doesn't mean you stop being a, a, a person here on earth. You still have to work. You still have to earn your, your, your pay. You still have to... Um, it's not a free ticket to be lazy. It's not a free ticket to be idle. Again, God doesn't like idleness. God doesn't like laziness either. So Paul addresses that too. So we'll we'll stop here and we'll take up more of this section tomorrow as we conclude this marvelous section of of 2 Thessalonians. Two great letters that are just uh, wonderful wonderful books of insight. So from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ, and I'll see you tomorrow. So now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're enjoying this third chapter as much as I am. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. God bless you, and I'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting at verse 1 all the way to verse 7. So from verse 1 to verse 7, the chapters deal with believers should establish themselves in their walk. And from verse, verses 8 to verse 18, believers should establish themselves in their work. So in the previous um, study, that was in chapter 2, we saw uh, Paul talking about believers should establish themselves in the word of God. So it's one thing to keep looking up, you know, we keep looking up with that blessed hope and, you know, for the future and the future coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also important to look down here every now and then and see how our walk is, you know, um, to look down, you know, as Christians, we should keep our eyes on the word of God um, in our walk and in our work down here as well, because we shall be judged by our walk and our works of faith here on earth. Yes, it's one thing. We should look to the hope, to the future, to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, to take his church out of the earth. But we should also look at our walk here as Dr. J.B. McGee always puts it, where the rubber meets the road. So, um, you know, God, like, if we go to Second Thessalonians, sorry, um, chapter 2, verse 17, it's read, Comfort your hearts and establish 
comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So this has to do with, you know, the loyalty to the person to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, this is spoken of, um, you know, very beautifully. And, you know, it's a position we have in Christ. So we are chosen to salvation through sanctification of the spirit. And we are called of God by our gospel to attaining of the glory of our Lord. And this was um, starting um, at chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, um, verse 13, where Paul had said, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Holy Spirit um, and belief in the truth. So here now Paul says, we as believers, you know, have certain responsibilities. You know, when we are established um, by the word of God and, you know, we establish ourselves uh, by our walk and by our works, we as believers, you know, have certain responsibilities. We are to walk down here in a way that will show our responsibility as believers. You know, in Ephesians, Paul had actually um, said to the, to, to, to the Ephesians, walk worthy of the high calling of, uh, with your call. So, you know, we are chosen. It's a calling. We are chosen um, for salvation by um, our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, um, you know, through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And we are called by our gospel, you know, to attaining that higher plane as Christians. So, you know, we should look at our walk here. We should establish ourselves um, in our work, in our word, in our walk um, as believers. And we have that responsibility down here um, to walk in a way that shows, you know, our responsibility as a believer. You know, um, we should walk worthy of the high calling of our call um, by the Lord Jesus Christ. So in chapter 3 of Second Thessalonians, so I'll read at verse 1 and verse 2, it says, Finally, brethren, so he says, finally here, so he's coming to the conclusion. So finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, um, for not all have the faith. So here, you know, the word enables a believer to walk before this wicked world. So it's the word of God, the light of God, the word of God. It actually enables us to walk, you know, in a certain way here on earth, you know, in a way that actually will, um, you know, will glorify our Lord. So the word establishes a believer in his walk today. So this is why, you know, there's a lot of emphasis. Even Dr. Jason McGee is always emphasizing, you know, study the word of God. Do, do not be ignorant of the word of God because once a believer is established in the word of God, then even their walk um, here on earth, you know, will be a, an example of how God is to be glorified. So the word establishes a believer in his walk today. So, you know, he's saying, pray for us. So every believer here, you know, Paul is telling the Thessalonians, pray for us. So every believer um, can engage in this. So prayer is something every believer should actually do. It doesn't, live, it doesn't mean live on your knees. It just is a habit that we are supposed to um, have as believers. So prayer should be, you know, should have the back of. So it's in order to be effective. So every preacher Every evangelist should have people praying at the back of him in order to, to be effective, in order for us to attain, you know, one particular goal for that, um, you know, to be strong in faith as Christians, actually. Um, so, you know, every evangelist should, every preacher should have, you know, his congregation praying at the back of him. And Paul is asking the Thessalonians for prayer so that the word of the Lord may have you know a free course it may you know here the word used is run swiftly and be glorified so here you know it may have it may run swiftly and may be glorified so verse two you know um like i earlier read and let me just read it again and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men 
for not all have the faith. So um, here, you know, they don't hold, you know, you find these, uh, you know, certain people, actually a lot of people who are not believers, you know, they don't have the doctrines of the apostles. So they, so that they are taught. So the church rests upon the foundation that these men, you know, the apostles had taught. So, um, and this foundation is given to the church and this should be taught and preached. So, um, you know, we cannot, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And if we're not establishing the word of God, we cannot walk among the wicked world. Like we just cannot survive. So here, um, you know, every pastor needs yours and my prayer. You know, every pastor that, you know, to the churches we actually go, every evangelist needs yours and my prayer, you know, for he has, you know, a great responsibility today. He's dealing with a lot of unreasonable people, a lot of wicked men, you know, um, so, you know, so that he may give out the word of God, so that the word of God may go out there in free course, so that the word of God may go out there um, swiftly, it may run swiftly. So um, it is yours and my responsibility as Christians today to actually pray for our preachers. You know, do we wake up every day in the morning, like on a Sunday when we're going to church and pray for, for our, our, our preachers? Like, let's have that um, attitude of actually praying for them, praying for others. So today, the gospel is um, hindered more by people in the church, if you actually think about it. You know, these, um, the rebels and people who think they're actually just right, and the know-it-alls, the pious people. And, you know, these are the people who actually hinder the gospel. It's not even people from the outside. It's not even um, people who who, who, who um, have never heard the gospel before. It's actually people from within the church. So, you know, our pastors are the ones that carry the burden of, um, of, you know, of all this. So let us pray for our pastors so that, you know, they may give out the gospel swiftly. It may, you know, it may have free course and um, it may be glorified. So it's one thing to hold the truth um, of the coming of Jesus Christ and um, to love his appearance. And it's another thing to walk worth of the great truth. And this is what Paul is talking about here. So, you know, it's just one thing. Like, you know, yeah, <coughs> we hold truth and we believe we have that hope. But how are we walking our walk on earth today? So how are we going to walk down here? Not only should we keep our eyes up there, you know, for the coming hope, but we should also establish ourselves in our walk and in our work down here on earth as Christians. It's our responsibility. Verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 reads, But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. So here, no matter how many times we let God down, you know, he will never let us down. We should hold to this as Christians, you know, because we, we are sinners. Naturally, we are sinners. But, you know, and we're going to let God down, you know, so many times. But God will never let us down. And we should hold this as Christians. The Lord's faithfulness, um, you know, if we are faithful to the Lord, he will establish us today um, as Christians. And we need to be established by coming to the word of God um, as, you know, as, you know, the world today is wicked. So we need to establish ourselves in the word of God. And um, if, 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 if we just look at our present day situation in our local situation today, there is so much disarray in, in the world today. There's so much disarray, you know, amongst ourselves. There's so much disarray in the church today. And we should be established in the word of God um, by coming to the word of God. And God... And, you know, we're supposed to let God um, have, the word of God have um, an influence in our lives today as Christians. You know, despite, you know, this present wicked day we're living in, let us as Christians establish ourselves in the word of God. You know, only the word of God will help us from evil. Um, because, you know, um, in the previous verses, um, you know, in verse 8 of chapter 2, um, of Second Thessalonians, it read, and then the lawless one 
will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So the word of God is like a double-edged sword. Let us establish ourselves, you know, as Christians in the word of God. Only the word of God will keep us from evil. Sin is what keeps you and me from the Bible. And the word of God will keep us from evil. Let us establish ourselves in that word of God. You know, once we have the word of God, then our works will be seen. You know, um, our works in the Lord will actually be seen. Verse 4 of Second Thessalonians chapter 3 reads, And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you both that you do not, you do and will do the things we command you. So here, Christians are commanded to do certain things. And there are commandments for Christians which um, we see. So let's just not end, you know, Dr. David Maggie said, let's just not end at the Ten Commandments. Um, these commandments were given in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, uh, chapter 5. Paul gave these commandments and they were 22 commandments. And these are the things that believers should do. Jesus had said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if we love the Lord, let us keep the Lord's commandments. So here Paul gave us, you know, as believers, what we should walk by. Um, the, some commandments we should walk by. This is our responsibility as Christians to walk, to follow these commandments. And Paul had confidence in the Lord, touching them, that he um, committed them to the Lord. You know, the commandments that Paul gave, he committed them to the Lord that they will do the things which he commanded them. Verse 5 goes on to read, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. So believer, a believer is to walk in the love of God and in the patience waiting for the coming of Christ. Verse 6 goes on to read, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly, and not according to the tradition which he received from us. So believers, a believer is not to walk with the disorderly. God says so. You know, God says you are to leave the disorderly alone. Today, you know, I know like a couple of gospel artists and, you know, um, you know like good brothers. And they're constantly like, you know, like we have <clears throat> music festivals here. <clears throat> you know, it's just dubbed um, the beer festival. It's just a festival where uh, people just go out there and just drink to their heart's content and just drink and drink and drink. And, you know, where there's alcohol, there is a lot of immorality. And you, we have, like, really good brothers, really good um, brethren, believers, who say, oh, hey, I am, you know, they're invited to these concerts to go and perform and, and oh, and they say, oh, hey, I am going to minister at this concert. And here it clearly states believer, a believer is, not, is to walk in the love of God. And um, a believer is not to walk with the disorderly. God says you are to leave the disorderly alone. Leave the disorderly alone. You have no business. So you don't have to congregate with them in evil doings. You know, you can go and, con you can go and actually, um, um, you know, evangelize to them, you know, out of that particular setting. You don't have to follow them in the beer halls or in the bars, or in the nightclubs, like, oh, hey, let me follow them and just evangelize to them. Um, so, you know, God says, you are to leave the disorderly alone. You don't have to congregate with them in the evil doings. God makes this very, very clear. So, um, so for me, it just really baffles me, like, and at least this clarifies it, because all along, I, I used to wonder, like, okay, why should he actually go to, you know, the pit of the bar? Um, or the pit of, you know, where there's just like so much immorality going on and saying, oh, hey, I am going to actually evangelize to them. I'm going to preach to them. How do you go to a beer hall with somebody who's a drunkard and you also take a beer and say, oh, hey, you know, because let me try and fit in and make them feel comfortable. And, you know, and then I evangelize to them. God has made it clear, you know, do not congregate with the disorderly um, in their evil doings. Verse seven goes on to read, um, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us and we were not disorderly among you. So here, you know, we need to be careful about the company we keep. Just this is what this scripture is saying. You know, 
Paul and, you know, the rest of the apostles, um, they were not disorderly. They lived according to the commandments of God and all. And Paul is telling the Thessalonians, you know what, um, here it says, for you yourselves know how we ought to, how you ought to follow us. You know, do not follow blindly. Do not follow disorderly wicked people. Mind the company you keep as a child of God. And, you know, this is what Paul is telling the Thessalonians. So, um, you know, um, let me just go back to verse 5. Verse 5 read, um, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. You know, um, for me, this stood out to me. And, you know, I just wrote it down as a last note um, in the study. So if we are walking in the love of God and it can manifest that you know, and, and the love of God can manifest that love in the power of the Spirit because only the Spirit of God can make God's love real um, to us because, you know, love is one of the fruits of the Spirit and love is, um, and love manifests if we let the Spirit indwell in us. So we can't just naturally love everyone. You know, God says, you know, love everyone. You know, love your enemies, love everyone. But, you know, we can't. I can't love everyone. I can't love every, you know, Jane, Molly, and Samantha. I can't, you know, um, so, you know, in Philippians, Dr. David McGee quoted it. And I remember this when we studied the book of Philippians, Paul had said, um, our love is to be um, judgmental. Let us have proper discernment when we love, you know, let us love, you know, let us love all our brothers and sisters. But, you know, let us just love with proper discernment because you embrace that person. And the minute you turn back and they stab you right in the back, because some people who uh, we choose to love, uh, may hurt us. So, you know, let us love with proper judgment. And um, for me, this is what stood out for me. Um, so, you know, you can only love, let extension, you know, beyond our inner circles, you know, our, our relatives, our parents, our brothers, our husbands, our mothers, and, you know, our cousins. And we can, we can love them because we are related to them. But, you know, every other, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry, I meet on the street. It's not going to be easy to love them. But, you know, this can only happen. That love can only be manifested um, if we have the Holy Spirit in us. So, you know, for me, it's how, as believers, are we establishing our walk down here on earth? You know, when we establish ourselves in the Word of God, um, only then will it manifest into how we walk down here and our works down here as well. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. God bless and have a pleasant Thursday. Bye-bye.